Hello, and welcome to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. I am your host, Garrett Ashley Mullet. And it is January 2019. I took the month of December off. Uh, my last episode I recorded on November 30th, it looks like. And uh, just with Christmas and everything going on, I figured, you know, I'll take a step back and uh, I'll hit it again down the road. And so here we are. It is January 5th of the new year. Happy New Year. And uh, yeah, we're going to get started. We're going to talk about uh, the border wall. We're going to talk about people that hate America and uh, some other things, I'm sure, as we go along. First off, let's get to the border wall. I want to talk about that. So right now the government is shut down and the Democrats are saying there's going to be no funding for the border wall and that Trump needs to uh, just sign whatever it is that they pass with everything that they want and reopen the government. Uh, Meanwhile, Trump is saying if you don't have funding for a border wall, for the construction of a border wall in your next spending bill, I'm going to veto it. Don't even try it. Don't even send it. We're not going to look at it. And so then the Democrats, of course, are saying, oh, Trump shut down the government. This is the Trump government shutdown. They were saying that before it even happened. And uh, very, I think, childish, very manipulative, trying to control the narrative. And uh, he's been very clear. No, that's just not going to be the way that it works. You're going to fund a border wall. And the reason I bring this up is not because you needed to hear from me that this is happening. I'm just summarizing real briefly. So I give context for the commentary that follows. The reason I bring it up is it's just ridiculous to me that anybody would argue against the concept of walls as being a legitimate form of national defense. That just boggles my mind. Then again, this is the same party that has trouble figuring out the difference between a boy and a girl or uh, (laughs) the difference between my money and your money, difference between a baby. Is it a baby? Is it a glob of tissue? Uh, They have a willful ignorance of things that are painfully obvious, the most fundamental truths of reality, uh, when it suits them. And when they want something else, and when they want what they want, then they argue against the most plain facts, uh, like, for instance, the, the, uh, I guess, desirability, maybe is the word, of keeping people that don't respect your country uh, or who want to hurt your country and hurt your people, keeping them out of your country. Uh, Now, someone will say, Oh, no, 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 no. You can be for border security and be against the wall. But why? Right? I understand that there are other things to do besides build a wall. But why not build a wall too? I I don't get that. You know, if if I had people breaking into my house, my personal house, I've got walls around my actual house to keep the weather and the animals and uh, the cold out. Uh, I would consider building a fence or a wall around my yard. People do that. That's a classic 
from the beginning of recorded history thing that people do to secure their property. Why would you not do that with a nation as well? If you can. Uh, you know, we're not talking about American imperialism. We're not talking about America, uh, you know, barging into somebody else's country and trying to take all their stuff and impose democracy on them. We're talking about self-defense, basic self-defense. And for the Democrats to try and characterize that as evil is itself slanderous and idiotic, to put simply. It's just idiotic. Uh, you, know, you see in all of human history instances of walls being built, and they were built for reasons. And the Great Wall of China, <laughs> the, the wall around the Vatican, the president has brought that up. Uh, you know, if the Pope wants to say that we should be building uh, bridges instead of walls, the Vatican is surrounded by a very thick, very high wall. Uh, literally, literally true. Uh, built back when there was fear that uh, the Muslims were going to hop across the pond and uh, try to invade and sack Rome and uh, the Vatican in particular, kill the Pope, uh, you know, <laughs> holy wars and all that. Um, but they built massive walls, massive fortification. Uh, anyway, it, it's, it's ridiculous that we would be against, that anybody would be against having a border wall. And you think about all the other things that are spent uh, that, that money is spent on in our country, how we send money over to other countries for the most loose uh, arguments that it's going to benefit our national security or our economy. We send billions, tens and hundreds of billions of dollars to other countries. Now, why is it that that uh, can be done and when a million arguments about sending billions of dollars to other countries, many of whom do not really like us. They're not fans of ours. Uh, we develop their countries. We develop jobs plans. We develop all kinds of things. Very, um, I think, uh, loosely self-interested. And that cuts the mustard, but a border wall is a bridge too far that I just don't, it, I, it doesn't make sense to me. And so I, I'm actually completely with Trump on holding out for funding for a border wall. I think it's a simple, basic thing that Congress should want to fund. That shouldn't be a partisan issue at all. We all live here. Uh, the only reason that the Democrats don't want a wall is because they want to be able to bring in as many, uh, illegal aliens, undocumented immigrants, undocumented Americans, whoever, you know, whatever the, the phrase du jour is, uh, they want to bring in people from other countries who are going to vote Democrat, uh, which is fraudulent, by the way, uh, way more fraudulent than whatever Russia did with uh, our last election and the one before that, if they were creating memes in some mother's basement someplace 
uh, Mother Russia's basement. <laughs> uh, bringing in scores of people from other countries. Uh, Democrats, shame on you. Uh, you care more about power and about getting yourselves promoted ahead of the Republicans and ahead of conservatives and ahead of whatever other factions in America you dislike and distrust. Uh, you care more about that than you do about our general uh, shared well-being when it comes to security. And uh, I think it's, it's just a shame. It is just a shame. But uh, from there, uh, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about this book that I've been reading. I'm still reading it from uh, November 30th. Uh, I did a podcast where I was talking about Mao Zedong and uh, George Washington and just how evil Mao Zedong was. Um, you know, he had took this perverse pleasure, it seems, in watching the videos and looking at the pictures of people who were being denounced at rallies. Uh, it was, you know, a quota system. Uh, he wanted everyone to be afraid of being denounced, of being, uh, you know, oftentimes brutally beaten, stripped of any kind of social standing, uh, murdered. Uh, you know, it was, it was an, a, a terroristic state of rule. He was a tyrant. Uh, you contrast that with the founding fathers of the United States of America, and they had disagreements. Uh, Thomas Jefferson and uh, John Adams are the most notable example uh, unless you count uh, Alexander Hamilton and, and Aaron Burr, I don't know. Um, Aaron Burr is not usually referred to as a founding father, but uh, anyway, we'll we'll stick with Thomas Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton. I'm sorry, uh, John Adams. Uh, <laughs> you had two men who were instrumental in the founding of our. Uh, system of government, our political tradition in this country, uh, very intelligent, very uh, remarkable men. And they ended up disagreeing sharply about the direction that America should go. And, uh, you know, I think it's it's sometimes forgotten. We sometimes think of the founding fathers as a monolith when we look back especially conservatives, we think, oh man, yeah, except for the British, like in the Indians and, you know, such like that, uh, man, what, what nicer, more civil times, what gentlemen they all were. Well, you know, just because you can read something with an English accent in uh, 200 years hindsight, or just because uh, they were wearing powdered wigs doesn't mean that uh, there weren't some ugly things being said and done in politics from the very get-go. Um, and yet, and yet, you know, it's absolutely essential that we recognize the restraint uh, that was shown uh, in not going over and, and murdering people that uh, disagreed with you on the other side of the aisle or the other end of this uh, political spectrum or, and hey, no, we're not going to 
have that in the Declaration of Independence. We're not going to have that in the Constitution. We're not going to put that in the Bill of Rights. No, no term limits. I'm not going to be president for four years. I'm going to be president for life. I'm going to round up you and all your supporters, and we're going to put you to death. That's how politics goes in most of the world for most of human history. You know, uh, politics, uh, the, the will to power has not been uh, typically a peaceful transition from one ruler to the next, to the next, to the next, orderly, every so many years. Uh, Mao Zedong, for instance, uh, just absolutely brutal. Anybody that even had a whiff of ambition or was getting too big for their britches, if he thought that the crowd was shouting their name a little bit too loudly, uh, he would have them denounced. He would cut them uh, out, and uh, and they did not end well for them. They they and their families would end up spending the rest of their lives very painfully, very uncomfortably in prison or uh, being tortured or being murdered. Uh, stripped of their ranks, stripped of any honors, and uh, and that's awful. Uh, and I don't say that to be uh, trivial or flippant. That's it's truly horrific. And we don't have any real uh, sense of that here in the United States of America, except when we read histories of other places. You know, we here in America, we've had a dramatically different experience. Because the men who set us up with this system of government and this political tradition and these checks and balances in this constitution, um, those men had a sense of self-restraint, of humility, of reverence, um, a, a recognition that man is a sinful creature and that those who govern uh, are, don't automatically have the hearts of angels. Uh, sometimes they can have the hearts of fallen angels. <laughs> and and other times they're just uh, imperfect men who aren't going to be able to see the whole of uh, what needs to happen and what's going on. And they saw that, and they set us up to have a great deal of liberty. Now, I'm listening to <clears throat> The Patriot's Guide to the History of the United States right now, and I have been for some time. It's a long book. Uh, 55 hours on an audible. I'm listening to it and I'm struck. And, and I knew this from a lot of other histories that I've read, but I'm struck at the period around when Theodore Roosevelt and Woodrow Wilson uh, come onto the scene. And just how much the political landscape of the United States of America changes from there to the present. Uh, you have progressivism. You have this uh, growing notion that the government needs to be strong and big, and it needs to be able to ensure that you have uh, X, Y, Z, a lot of different things. It's going to take from so-and-so over there, make sure that you get it. Uh, you know, as the author was, uh, I guess, putting it in the section I, I read yesterday, you know, there was so much of a, oh, what, um, uh, a fervor uh, 
around that time for if you were to start a business, well, if you're competitive, are you being too competitive? Are we going to get after you for that? Uh, if you're being, uh, you know, too, too good at cornering the market and swallowing up your competition, if you come up with something and it's just you, then are you going to be uh, gotten after for uh, <laughs> combinations? If, if you're cooperating too much with the other players in the market, are they going to get you for, for monopoly? Uh, you know, left and right and in the middle, the government was really taking uh, too much control and too much oversight of business. And there's arguments for why they did and for why it seemed like a good idea at the time. But I think we realize now it's grown and grown and grown and grown into this ugly thing that it is now. And it's not good. It's not good the extent to which the government wants to regulate and control and tax. And, you know, this Ocasio uh, Cortez, you know, she's just shown up at uh, Congress here in D.C. as of the beginning of the year. And she was elected last year. And she's got this Green New Deal plan. And she is talking about uh, tax rates as high as 70%, 70%. And she wants to basically remake America, fundamentally transform America. Her and Barack would get along, I'm sure. She wants to remake America and basically have a plan for doing away with all uh, greenhouse gas emissions within the next, I think it was 10, 20 years, something like that. But do away with all the greenhouse gas emissions, replace it all with renewable energy, and create green jobs, and universal basic income, and free college, and free everything. Where are you going to get the money to pay for all this? Well, we'll just tax the rich. Hmm, okay. Have you thought this through? Have you looked at other times when socialism and communism, the Marxist ideas that you're proposing, have you looked at other times and places where that's been tried? And how did that work out? Uh, it worked out typically in massive shortages, poverty, despair, oppression, tyranny, abuse, corruption, uh, and in the most notable, the biggest. Most high-profile examples, it turned into mass murder, uh, rounding up of political dissidents because the government's responsible for everything. All the eggs are in that basket. We can't let the government uh, lose credibility. It's too big to fail, which means then you can't criticize the government. You can't resist it. You can't refuse to cooperate with it. If you refuse to cooperate in any way, shape, or form, since everything's all tied together, then, boy, how are you putting everybody's lives in jeopardy? The, and now we've put all our eggs in the government basket. And so now it's national uh, it's a national emergency if you criticize the government, if you criticize Ocasio-Cortez or, or whoever. And, and the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Uh, like in the old Star Trek movie where Spock goes in and he's going to, in person, by hand, 
uh, save the ship and save everybody. Uh, and he dies in the process because he's, you know, exposing himself to just ridiculous amounts of radiation. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And so he sacrifices himself. Well, that's fine. That's a fine sentiment and laudable in real life. Not that it was just a movie, by the way. Don't get too choked up. Just a movie. Uh, it's a fine sentiment. When someone is choosing to lay down their life, it is not a fine sentiment when some government bureaucrat is choosing that this person, that person, and the other, they need to go. They need to disappear because they've decided that that's in the collective best interest. You know, and what oftentimes ends up happening as well, and I saw this in Mao's uh, biography, Mao, the untold story. Uh, what ends up happening is any criticism of the fearless leader uh, or any expose that, hey, there's your policy here is bonkers. This is a bad policy. This is stupid. People are starving. There's shortages of food. People are dying. Uh, that becomes treasonous. And the facts are glossed over, and you can't look at uh, the hard data. The government's going to keep that a national secret. Uh, it's an ugly, ugly place that the Democrats want to go, and they want to take us. <clears throat> and they start off the year with this one congresswoman uh, going off on a tirade about how we're going to impeach the. MF, MOFO, uh, with regards to Trump. Uh, this Congresswoman Tlaib. Uh, how undignified. And the picture here, you know, just smiling. Big smiles. Uh, how undignified. You hate America. Uh, and unfortunately, that's what the Democrats have run on. They've run on hating America. We don't like the way that things have been. We want to fundamentally transform them. We don't like America, so we're going to oppose building a border wall. We're going to oppose national defense. We're going to sell America out to every other country in the world, call it globalism. It's Judas and his 30 pieces of silver is what it ends up being. You know, uranium one with Hillary Clinton. Yeah, let's sell a huge amount of America's uranium to Russia. And then let's spend the next few years trying to change the subject to how Russia wanted Trump to win. Really? Why didn't they want you to win? You gave them all of our uranium. Really? It's ugly and it's gross and it's awful. But nobody's talking about that. Everybody's talking about Mueller's investigation. Did he find something? Was there some impropriety on Trump's part? And we all know the same sentiment that was finally communicated by this Congresswoman Tlaib. We're going to impeach the mofo. That same sentiment is what has been fueling the Mueller investigation. And all the progressives said amen. And they're just licking their chops or salivating with every new 
detail that comes out, every uh, inkling that maybe something has come up that will sink Donald Trump, sink his presidency, that will sink Republicans. <laughs> it's ugly. It's ugly. I don't like it, and it should stop. In other news, I have decided to get back into blogging, and I am feeling pretty good about that. Uh, a little bit of backstory. Before I started this podcast, I was writing for On The Rocks blog. I was the chief editor for uh, largely political, social, and theological uh, content uh, for three years. We started in the summer, or actually, <laughs> I suppose we started September of 2015 and wrote quite a few articles and had a little, I mean, a modest following, not a not a, a super popular, uh, but it, you know, it was something that I believed in and believe in still. And I think it was a good thing. And I think it still is. Uh, but I had to take a step back from May until when did I write that most recent article or the first of the next series, the new generation of articles, uh, pretty recently, just a few weeks ago. Uh, like I wrote four, wrote and published four articles in December. And I'm feeling good about that. Uh, I think it was the right decision. It was needful to step back for a bit, to recalibrate, to rest, to reevaluate. And, uh, and now it's time to get back into it, especially with uh, the way that things are going. Uh, I, you know, we initially started the blog on the heels of the Supreme Court decision on marriage marriage equality, as they call it, or gay marriage, or homosexual marriage, or insanity, or whatever. Uh, that's what prompted us to start writing for the blog. And the Democrats winning back the House and wanting to impeach Donald Trump and everything uh, is concerning. It's a concerning indictment on the state of America. And... I don't think that love of country is uh, the first priority. I don't think that it should be uh, our highest value. I think that would be idolatry. I believe that. But neither do I think that loving one's country, one's nation, one's people is evil. Uh, the dose makes the poison. And uh, too little is actually a bad thing. Uh, too little love of country, love of your people, is is not virtuous. Uh, you know, what is it that you love instead? Well, I just love my family. Well, let's think about this for a second. Where does your family live? You know, the, the Chinese person who saw Mao rising to power uh, and said, well, I'm going to stay out of all that. I love my family. What happened to his family? Well, odds are very high that his family suffered under Mao. Odds are very high that his family was hungry and terrified. And if they survived all of it, it was a very unpleasant experience. 
one which no loving father and husband would willingly impose on his family if he loved them. You know, I love my friends. Maybe you don't have a wife and children or a husband and children. Do you have friends? Do you have siblings? Do you have parents? Uh, even just basic self-preservation. Do you value being a good steward of what you have? Well, if so, you have to be engaged on some level with what's happening to your nation, the nation that you live in, that you call home. And to not be engaged at all is folly. And if it dresses itself up as pious, oh, well, no, I'm just too, I'm too concerned with the things of God to pay any attention to that. Please, give me a break. God pays attention to the affairs of nations. You know, he <laughs> intervenes several times on the national level and talks of dealing with peoples, distinctive peoples, the children of so-and-so, the kingdom of such-and-such, this nation over here, this city over there. God deals with individuals, absolutely. You know, the scriptures are full of this narrative, just a continuing narrative of God having relationship with individuals. But he also has a relationship with his people collectively, and he also relates to, he raises up and he strikes down and he judges and he blesses and he, he interacts with nations and peoples. And maybe it's inevitable that we're going to become uh, just many nations all under one big banner. You know, maybe uh, Trump and the whole Make America Great Again crowd, uh, maybe they're the dying breath of a national self-interest, which will invariably give, a, give way to uh, um, you know, a new future of globalist socialist rule. But the, the thing that really, really deeply concerns me is that we have some responsibility we have a voice we have an ability to engage in these matters and if we allow passively uh, the forces of evil and folly to take control and to steer the ship if we allow the the uh, <laughs> uh, insane to take over the the mental hospital and start running it uh, we are going to suffer and if you want to talk about, you know, thinking of the things of God, uh, how does that honor God? If you see what's coming and you just passively acquiesce to it, how does that honor God? Well, we have to be willing to suffer and to, to be martyred. Okay. Can you be willing to suffer and to be martyred uh, <clears throat> if you're not willing to speak up and say, no, this is wrong. This is bad. That's not true. You're slandering this other person. You're lying. That's an outright falsehood. That's an injustice. Repent. Repent. John the Baptist lost his head, not because he was at home knitting and meditating on the scriptures in quiet. 
nobody was ever martyred for sitting at home quietly minding their own business and being quiet. It just, it just, I, I challenge anyone to show me an example. I mean, unless somebody wants to find an outlier where uh, you know, this person just – they didn't go to the mosque that day and they were supposed to. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, well, we, find, we, we found your Bible. You have a, a Christian Bible under your pillow. Well, kill him. Okay. All right. Maybe. Maybe that happens quite a bit. I don't know. But I, you know, in high school, I read a, a book put out by DC Talk and Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, it was a series of stories from throughout history and all over the world of Christian believers who have suffered and died because of their faith. They became a Christian and it cost them. And maybe I'm misremembering, but it, it seems to me in hindsight as though they were being proactive with their faith. You know, if you're going to preach the gospel, well, what is the gospel? The good news. Well, what's the good news? Well, Jesus died for you. Well, why did he do that? Because I was a sinner at odds with God. My evil behavior, my evil thoughts, my evil words, uh, my sin was separating me from a holy and righteous God who loves me but is also perfect and can't tolerate that. He can't allow that in his presence, and he can't uh, bless that. The good news makes zero sense if there's not also a call for repentance. Where appropriate. You know, we watched and listened to, I guess you could say more so, uh, this Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans sermon on Sunday. And he was talking about uh, judging. And I, I've, I so much appreciate it. I just found myself nodding up and down very conspicuously because he so much loved what he had to say because he wasn't saying, here's my personal opinion. He was saying, this is what the scriptures say. I've studied the Bible. If you read the Bible, God tells you, he commands you to judge. But he says, judge with right judgment. Don't judge by appearances. Judge with right judgment. Well, what is right, right judgment? Right judgment is, this is God's standard of good behavior, of truth. If you adhere to that, if what you're saying and doing, if it lines up with that, then I would judge you favorably. If you are contradicting God, if he says don't murder and you're going around murdering people, if he says don't uh, steal and you're going and robbing banks in your neighbor's house when he's not home, if it says thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor and you're joining the social justice warriors crowd and saying that all white people are racists and trying to make mountains out of molehills with some dumb thing called microaggressions, if you're bearing false witness against your neighbor to try and destroy him, to try and take his stuff, to try and make a case for 
socialism, redistribution of wealth, confiscation of people's property, and then giving that property to others who did not earn it. If that's your platform and that's what you're doing, it's evil. It's not mysterious. You know, for those that are so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good, at what point does the gospel presentation demand that you speak on that and that you say, repent? Now, if you want to tell me that we need to be prepared for martyrdom and suffering for our faith, fan-freaking-tastic. Pardon my language. But I will say, I have a lot more admiration and respect for your position. If you're actually living your faith out in a way that could actually get you martyred. If you're saying, well, we need to be prepared to get martyred. And what you really mean is we need to just quietly, meekly submit to whatever it is that's happening and not interfere because it's not happening to us. It's happening to somebody else. That guy over there is the one who's being railroaded. That guy over there is the one who's having all of his stuff taken. That guy over there is the one who's being abused. Not my problem. Sorry, I don't respect that. <clears throat> I, I, it rings hollow. I don't think... I was talking with my grandmother here the other day. She called me out of the blue, and uh, it was an hour of conversation, mostly her. She's a very talkative, very chatty person. It's hard to get her word in edgewise. <laughs> uh, she was asking me what I thought about preachers that uh, get up and they want to just talk about politics. She said she went to church somewhere. <clears throat> One time she visited, and the preacher the entire time, all he talked about was two or three news articles that he had read, and he never know, never once talked about God. And I don't know. I don't know if she's mischaracterizing that. I don't know where she went to church to visit. I don't know who the pastor was. I don't know anything. She asked me, though, she says, you know, that's not what pastors should be doing. They shouldn't be getting into politics. Talking about They should be talking about God, talking about Jesus. And I said, you know, Grandma, I... Because she asked, you know, you agree, right? I said, well, you know, the thing of it is, it the dose makes the poison. Now, if all a pastor is talking about is politics all the time, shame on that. Uh, but on the reverse side, if you never talk about it because you're concerned you're going to jeopardize your 501c3 status, if you never talk about it because you're afraid... Uh, you're going to offend people that have a different political persuasion. If you've got Democrats or moderates sitting in the pews that they're going to get up and walk out, never come back. Uh, if you won't speak on our national sins because you're afraid, uh, not because you're afraid that the Bible is silent or unclear, but you're afraid of what people would think of what the Bible says. You're afraid of those dots being connected in a direct fashion. 
that's no good. That is no good. That's as bad or worse compared with uh, a pastor who's going to just talk about politics the entire time. Uh, you know, the Old Testament, God gives the people of Israel a land. And he doesn't give them an unoccupied land. Uh, you know, the Canaanites, they could have built a wall and it wouldn't have kept God out. God wanted to give that land to another people, and he did. And we would do well to remember that here in the U.S., even if Trump somehow does get the wall built, or he gets whatever else it is that he says he needs for national security, it's not going to be big enough to stop God from doing what it is that he wants to do. If God wants to give this country, this nation, into the hands of our enemies, because we've rejected God and we've perverted justice, there's nothing that can stop God from doing that. Uh, that's where national days of prayer came from in times past, where presidents would call for a national day of prayer and repentance. Let's think about uh, what it is that we need to repent of as a nation, as a people, before Almighty God, a holy and righteous God. Let's ask him for forgiveness. In Jesus' name. And let's ask him for his favor and his blessings, because we know that with those, we cannot fail, and without those, we cannot succeed. You want to make America great again, that's how you do it. And nothing short of that will be sufficient. That isn't to say that I'm ambivalent about a wall. I think we should build a wall. I think it'd be a great idea. Why haven't we done that sooner? Why is that even a discussion? Why is that a debate? Move on. Do it. Get it done and find something that's actually <laughs> debatable. Do walls. Make places more secure. Yes. Okay, move on. Uh, abortion, too. God have mercy. Democrats, you are on the side of Satan himself. You know, I read a headline that said that the Democrats wanted to put expansions of abortion into uh, the new spending legislation so that Trump would have to sign uh, an expansion of abortion. Evil. Evil, evil, evil. And when God was giving the nation of Israel the promised land, Yahweh God was driving out the Canaanites because they had become ripe for judgment. I'm sure they were sinful all along from the very get-go, but at a certain point it hit a, a, a threshold of corruption and evil, and he said, that's enough. That's it. You're out. I'm giving it to this people over here. My people. But one of the things that God told Israel was that when they came into the land that they were not to do as the nations before them and around them who offered their children as human sacrifices to Molech. And I want to get into this more later. I might even do an entire podcast episode about it. 
but this idea of human sacrifice in ancient pagan religions as a way of appeasing the fertility gods of encouraging the blessings of uh, the deities you know Agamemnon in the uh, story of uh, the, the Achaeans the Greeks uh, invading Troy they go to war with Troy Agamemnon sacrifices his daughter to get favorable winds his, his beloved daughter his daughter loves him dearly he sacrifices her as a human sacrifice literally like on an altar uh, Clytemnestra Agamemnon's wife when he comes home from having conquered and helped to conquer the city of Troy uh, she murders him and the concubine he brings back but anyway I digress Uh, human sacrifice was a feature in a lot of uh, pagan ancient religions and in Canaan uh, children would be offered offered as burnt offerings to Molech uh, the Aztecs in South America and Central America they would uh, conduct mass human sacrifices to try and bring the blessings of the deity on their corn harvest and other such. In America, our God is science. And we think so long as men and women in white lab coats do it in a fairly sterile environment where we can't see, we don't hear the screams, that God's going to prosper us some false god is going to prosper us bless the continuing education of that young woman who got herself pregnant or became pregnant against your will that happens sometimes but in the minority of cases i think most of it is young ladies who have been told in a godless public education system that they're just animals young boys who've been told that they're just animals who get pregnant by doing what animals do without a second thought civilized humanity not even just civilized that's not the word godly humanity that recognizes that we are created in God's image and that God made us our bodies are not our own but they were bought with a price uh, gets married creates a framework of commitment into which children can be born and taken care of and then gets pregnant and then has children uh, young women are, are packed off to abortion centers to murder their children at the altar of continuing their education continuing their career their boyfriend or or whatever being free from child support payments free from having to settle down take care of his offspring 
It's evil. And the Democrats are for it. They're for protecting and promoting and praising that. And they, in turn, therefore, are evil. There's no moral equivalence. There are corrupt Republicans as well. And any Republican that winks at that, you're in the same boat. I don't care that you're a Republican. I don't care what you're going to do for taxes. I don't care if you're going to deregulate. I don't care what you would do for business. It is a non-starter, the abortion issue, if you have any uh, patience with that. It's a total non-starter. And as Christians, we have to be clear-headed about that. We have to call for repentance. And if you don't want to do it for love of nation, do it because you love that person. But don't be silent on political issues. God does not see evil as a political issue. And he's not going to withhold judgment just because we've considered it a political issue, a political football. It's not going to happen. Anyway, <laughs> that's enough for this episode. This is a shorter than usual episode of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. Uh, I'm going to try and be a little bit more conservative. I've got an average of 11 listens per episode at this point. And uh, see if we can expand that. Uh, if you liked the content, please uh, share with uh, somebody that you think will also enjoy it. And uh, if you have any comments to add or anything you'd like me to discuss or talk about on my show, uh, hit me up, find me on social media, uh, email me, private message me, call me, whatever, if you have my number. If you don't, uh, I don't know, just GarrettMullet at gmail.com. That's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-M-U-L-L-E-T at gmail.com. As always, I thank you for listening. Hope you got something out of it. And uh, I hope you're blessed with a call to courage, a call to moral clarity. Uh, get into God's word. Don't take my word for it. Uh, don't judge by appearances. Judge with right judgment. Judge according to what God has said. Uh, find out what he said in his word. Become familiar with it. Um, pray. Become familiar with God himself. Develop a relationship. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Uh, but that plan involves repentance because you done messed up. <laughs> and, and God has a, a beautiful uh, purpose for you. Proactive things. Christianity. And a relationship with God isn't just a list of don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do that. Be quiet here. Don't get involved in that. Stay away from here. You know, now Jesus, look at the, the example of Jesus. <clears throat> uh, had a very exciting public ministry, very exciting life. Uh, and it was going about his father's will and doing his father's will. He was doing things. God didn't give us a body and a mind and a heart to just be bumps on a log, to sit in a pew, to warm it with our buttocks, <clears throat> to sing when we're told to sing, stand when we're told to stand, kneel when we're told to kneel, etc., etc., etc. God gave us bodies and minds and hearts so that we could serve him with all of them, with the entirety of our being. Keep that in mind. Meditate on that. Figure out what that looks like through prayer and fasting and study in your life. 
Anyway, thanks for listening. God bless.